0: We produced a roadmap, we're taking it to government level to, um, I'm going to say it, people will definitely give me hell on social media, but I'm mm-hmm. going to say it anyway to sanction businesses who do not get 25% of women on their workforce by 2026. And right. I- it's um a big thing to put out there there's currently 13 percent, but there's there's nothing happening nobody is doing anything people are telling me they want women and they can't find women mm-hmm. but they're not looking for women they're doing the same thing what they've done for 300 years yeah. So this, nobody's going to get creative so i'm working on that we've got a petition i'm trying to um build out a course which we're rolling out to all colleges and universities throughout the uk i'm working on accreditation with city and guilds um, to do a a special course at the colleges for uh, women in construction and introductory so that it can be filtered down to primary school and secondary schools
1: I've detailed the habits, routines and rituals of some of the world's most successful entrepreneurs. Where I found I needed a little help was in my evening routine, especially how I unwind before bed. Do you have a routine or do you leave it to chance? Some of the most talked about things you can do include putting your phone down, switching your screen off an hour or so before bed, stretching, taking a hot shower and not eating rich food or drinking alcohol too close to bedtime. These are great ideas, but not everybody's lifestyle can accommodate them, which is why I decided to take a deep sleep nootropic called Boost, brought to you by Pure Sports CBD called Unwind. It helps you both get to sleep and helps your sleep quality too. So I've partnered with Pure Sports CBD to provide a premium and trusted natural product to help you as a busy entrepreneur go further. You can get 20% off their entire range by going to puresportcbd.com and entering the code just do it 20. That's just do it 20. Welcome to Screw it Just Do It with me Alex and my very special guest this week Michaela Wayne. So after seven years of starting and scaling companies within the construction industry, Michaela decided to apply for the BBC TV show The Apprentice to see what she could learn about herself and business throughout the process. She says it was an amazing experience and that although she didn't win, she still managed to secure the investment she needed after the show. And she went on to start a company called We Connect Construction. She now also has a top class construction marketing agency in Framework Marketing, which she works on a day to day basis. She helps busy directors and marketing teams to increase their leads, grow their businesses, gain exposure to the right target audience, and become industry experts. So I connected with Michaela on Clubhouse, no surprise there. I'd also connected with her other half, Harrison Jones. They both met on The Apprentice um, and they now have a child together as well. So it was great to get the other half of the story and great to hear how passionate she is about wanting to get more females into her industry, the construction industry. So we talk about a whole bunch of different things uh, during the show, including the construction industry in today's global pandemic, the importance of marketing, women, in today's construction industry, which you'll hear she is super passionate about and making great waves. And the importance of new social media like Clubhouse and how LinkedIn is also bringing awareness. So super interesting discussion that Michaela and I have. I know you're going to enjoy it. So without further ado, screw it, just do it. Michaela Wayne. Then I'm joined by... Michaela Wayne, who is in sunny Bolton, she tells me.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's not so sunny.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it is here in Bournemouth. Um, and look, Michaela, people are going to know you from the BBC TV show, The Apprentice. They might not know that you are uh, director of framework marketing and um, you lend a considerable voice to women in construction. Um, and it's something that you're, you're clearly super passionate about. Um, would you like to tell us a little bit about, to start with, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but before you went on The Apprentice, you were already in the industry that you're in now. Um, how have things changed for you in that industry? Is there any disruption in that industry like there is in many other industries? Or is it at the stage that it is right for, dis- for disruption?
0: Yeah, well, construction is always getting disrupted. Every site in the UK is constantly disrupted and constantly delayed from my experience. (laughs) Love it. I think it's ready for some female disruption, 100%. Um, I got into construction... 18 years ago now and I think a lot has changed all, over the last 18 years and it's progressed a lot but I've been having the same conversations about women in construction, about the importance of marketing because uh, the construction industry don't necessarily believe in marketing um, and I, I, I started to see some changes but I have felt like I've been on a bit of a loop of you know, there's only 13% of women in construction, 1% of women on the sites, constantly giving out these stats, the needle's never been moved. So I um, took it upon myself to embark on the journey of trying to change the face of the construction industry.
1: Wow, well, we wish you luck in that. Um, and look, I'm sure everybody who's ever disrupted an industry probably looked at it that, you know, it would take forever and there was going to be resistance to change. But um for you when, you, when you decided to apply to go on, on The Apprentice, um, what stage were you at in, in your business and how did going on that show and what happened afterwards impact that? Because I've, I've chatted to the likes of, as you'll know, Sabrina Stocker, uh, Camilla Ainsworth I know really well um, as well, um, and a bunch of other people, Lewis Ellis, et cetera. But for you, you know, how did that change the business that you were you're already working in?
0: So I had a couple of businesses before I went on The Apprentice. The two, the two main ones that was relatively successful was a utility connection company and um, design and build, which is a construction magazine online and hard copy. And it was already doing well between them. but I think we were turning under, over just under 4 million around that figure. We, we was doing all right. Um, my reasons for applying for The Apprentice, I think, have been different to many peoples in that. I was, you know, I was set up. You know, I do all right. I had a nice house and my kids didn't want for much. But, um, But I was just felt like I I was stagnant. I was stuck at this 4 million turnover and we'd been around that point for a couple of years and I'm not from a business background. I was dragged up in honestly the pits of Bolton (laughs) and um, it was a nice childhood, but we had nothing. I, I didn't know any business people. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was winging it and learning on the job. I'd lost my first business. I'd been through hell and back and then I just felt like I was stuck here. So I was more looking for Mentoring, guidance, uh, connections—above the money—and for the experience, my my brother had been on Love Island a couple of years before, and had absolutely had a whale of a time.
1: I didn't know that. Really,
0: he's he's gorgeous. So he went on Love Island. He he got the beauty, and um, I got some some brands. So I went for the (laughs) apprentice. Yeah, I went went really for for the exposure, for the experience, and. to to see what was going to come of it and I never imagined at any point whatsoever that I would end up coming third so I was absolutely buzzing. I remember saying to my mum oh god imagine if I'm on telly for four weeks (laughs) And you being really excited and then it got to where it got to um and I realized actually that I knew a lot more about business than what I'd give myself credit for. I perhaps just didn't have the the confidence and belief in myself and didn't know how to articulate what I knew in my own mind. Uh, so I, I kind of needed teaching what I already knew, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, which, which I got a lot of that in that process and beyond The Apprentice, I, I did still get the investment and um, I launched the business that I took on the show. So that was a change. I met my partner. We had a baby. That was a change. Harrison,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there
0: were some big changes, uh, but all round an amazing, an amazing experience and I got from the show what I wanted to get from it, which was perhaps a bit of confidence and exposure.
1: Mm. And the, and the the business that you you're, you're in now, um, Framework Marketing. How long has that business been um, up and running? And what what, what um, for you? You know, talking about things like customer journeys. What's your typical customer that you would want to work with? Like your ideal customer.
0: My ideal customer for Framework Marketing is managing directors of construction companies. Uh, Basically, how how Framework's come about is design and build. The construction magazine has been around for 11 years with Stanford and it's well established and it is what it is. But in addition to that, we we started to offer services like... um, campaigns to the readership and we had a web developer in-house that we was never making use of and all these bits of things that we could offer and we weren't and it was coming as a secondary and the message was really mixed to what we was giving out as from designer builders to what we actually was as a business so during the pandemic because like everybody i had a ton of time on my hands i separated off and created framework marketing to be its own entity so design <clears throat> could just thrive as a construction magazine and framework marketing um which then become a digital marketing agency specifically for the construction industry so that's how it's come about it's basically the same crossover staff in the two companies because they've got the skill set for both and then we started to employ more in-house with as it's grown and grown
1: and is that something that, that you think you know because we had the pandemic and you, you had time on your, your hands you, you have some time to like step back, reflect and think what was missing here, what could people actually benefit from you know I'm already in touch with these, these customers, and I know some of the pain points that they might have and some of the gaps in that customer journey. And was, was that for you, you know that period of reflection that that gave you? or Was it something that you'd always been thinking about and just never had the time to action?
0: No, it, it is pretty much that I think during the pandemic a lot of business. We did quite a lot of business after the first three months was honestly just dead, Um but then after that it really started to pick up. Construction started going anyway; it never really stopped altogether, mm. and it really um, it started to get going again. And I think what we found is was in my own case as well it, that directors of businesses had a lot of time to step back from the day-to-day running of the company and what you get caught in and staff management and training and recruiting and you just have the time to breathe and start to work on your business yeah. and it was only at, at that time I mean I am a marketer that that's my experience sales and marketing is, is what I love and I've always known for years that I needed a new website and that I needed to separate the two off but I just I just didn't have the time or to be honest the energy as well I was, yeah. tired. I was tired of doing what I already do and it allowed me that space to be able to get the energy that I needed to focus on it and do you know what it's going to be the best thing that we've ever done because the contracts that were coming in are 10 times the amount of what we could have charged just for advertising in the magazine and it's contract work magazine advertising will be one two three if you look at six months advertising the mm-hmm. work that we're getting now is 12 to 24 months so wow. The business to be a lot more saleable in, in future as well, which is ultimately, um, as I've got older, I've decided at some point I do want to exit and not just treat it as a cash cow. So I've uh, matured in the pandemic and grown
1: up. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting, isn't it? Because I, was, I mentioned she briefly, I was chatting to Dominic McGregor who um, along, I mean, people will know Stephen Bartlett, um, his co-founder, because he's been a lot more, you know, front of house and he's written, you know, a couple of books. Um but for them, I was, you know, I was asking that question because they they literally went from, you know, zero to a 200 million uh, IPO last year. Uh, and he was 27 years old, you know, when they, 26 years old, he said, I got it wrong by a year, 26 years old when they did that exit, him and Stephen. And you just think, you know, amazing. You know, did you ever think when you started that company, that was the end goal? He's like, well, of course not. You know, we're literally making it up as we went along to start with. We got, you know, one client. And then one client led to another client and then another client. And he goes, and then they just turned around at a Christmas party in 2018 and were like, who the hell are all these people? <laughs> it's like, you're paying them, you know. But um, it, it does come a point, doesn't there? And I think um, it, clearly you've thought of it during your journey rather than at, at the very start of the journey. Because some people start businesses with very much the, the ending goal, don't they? They go, five years, I'm going to set this business in five years. I want to sell the business, but for you, you've 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 come through that kind of organically, I guess, just through.
0: Yeah, do you know what, Alex? I'll be honest. Like, I started my business when I was twenty-five. I started it because I'd hit a glass ceiling at the company that I was working for. I was begrudging earning all this money for somebody else, and. Yeah. I was never getting promoted. I had a young son at the time; he was five months old. I was working every hour that God sends, and I just thought, "I just, I want to do this for myself. I think I'm capable of." And in my mind, I was just going to have a nice lifestyle business. I was earning good money for somebody else. I was doing seventy-eight 80 grand a year. I was comfortable, but I just thought I can earn more money than this, doing it for myself, and have more flexibility and spend more time with my son, which was probably the key driver really to me starting finding and started my own business so I never expected it to get where it got to it was never on my radar and then when it got to there I didn't really know what to do about it and the thought of selling a business honestly you may as well come and speak Chinese to me because I just don't have a clue I'm not I don't know anybody else I do know but I didn't know anybody else in business all my business advice I got off a butcher who used to make me sandwiches every (laughs) day I had to do like a purchase ledger book a painting and that is literally how my accounts was formed I 11 mean, years i just I, I didn't know about sage I, if i said i knew nothing it's an understatement yeah. <laughs> knew nothing and so I, all i knew was how to sell advertising how to produce magazines where the readership was and i understood the construction industry inside out and so we just went full full throttle with that and it did well and things grew and before you know, it, I was well out of my depth and to think of employing somebody like, a, you know, a COO or anything like that, I'm only just doing these words in the last three years. It's just not, I just wasn't educated enough to understand and over the years I've educating myself I've met more people I've networked and um, I've I've just learnt more stuff and now I understand that actually you can sell a business and I understand how to do it but I I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs who are like me who just don't really know what they're doing they just know how to make money and know that they want to make money but you know you need you need that guidance coming from somewhere so I went on The Apprentice
1: (laughs) And, and what, that's interesting what you say. What you say there, and, and I think probably the you know the majority of people who are business owners, which you know I think small businesses make up what is it like ninety five or ninety seven percent of the businesses, you know in in, in the UK are are self taught. And you think, you know, rather than going to you know university or you know like a, like, a, like a like a Harvard or something and paying an absolute fortune to learn how to run a business often the easiest is just to start and learn on the fly which is something that you know you, you've clearly done and so it sounds like what you're working on now with the length of contracts that you're gaining as well that gives you quite a lot of financial planning if you know that you're getting contracts that aren't just you know somebody making one off purchases but 12 24 months that's a quite a nice position to be in and also when it comes to selling a business people can see how much money's on on the books et cetera.
0: Yeah, and see the growth. And it, and it is, it's definitely growing. its You know, I'm not going to say, oh, I'm a multimillionaire and it's growing at the rate that I want. I think as entrepreneurs, you all want more, faster. I want everything yesterday. I've always yeah. been the But there's a steady growth coming in. We're coming out the back of a pandemic. I am doing marketing and construction, which can be a challenge at times, especially digital marketing. Um, I actually had to start printing a hard copy magazine after two years of being just online because... Everybody wanted it. So, you know, you give people what they want, but it's Mm. a bit of an effort. It's just, it is a difficult industry to to be in at times. But it's super loyal. So I know once I've got that client, if we do a good job, which we do, then they will stay with us. And, and, you know, we just get this repeat business and that's slowly, you know, slowly, slowly, we're going to grow it. And hopefully in five years, I'll sell it and bugger off to the Bahamas or somewhere.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Um, And for you, when you say it's quite quite difficult then what are the like the pain points when it comes to trying to um, you know articulate the benefits of what you do to somebody in the construction industry like why why would they be averse to that do you think is it is it again lack of understanding how that benefits their business
0: yeah I mean honestly people don't believe in marketing that is the most common saying that I hear is, is it when- I don't believe marketing, as if it's like magic fairy (laughs) dust. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: I'm not believing it. It's not Santa. It's marketing. Like, go on social media.
1: Tell people about your business. You know, if they don't hear about your business, how can you sell anything?
0: Well, this is, you know, in construction, and it is very much like this. Like I said, this is very loyal, old-school Men's circles—I don't want to say that, but it's reality. You know the men's clubs that go on and business from your little black book, and and it's still very much like that. And word of mouth in construction is going to get you more business than marketing. But how did that client first hear about you? And how are you going to meet new clients? And in construction as well, we saw it with Carillion—it went under and wiped out. Thousands of SMEs, it took it with yeah. them. And that is the also the issue that you've got when you're on a, a large contractor's framework. If you were just relying on one client... And they might be giving you millions of pounds worth of work. Well, what if something happens to them? You're gone. So you don't put all your eggs in one basket. And so it's explaining that to people and and helping them to understand that actually social media marketing, e-campaign, any form of marketing is word of mouth on a mass scale to your direct target audience exactly when you want to talk about it. So it's just helping people to understand that and then showing evidence of we've helped this company grow from this to this and And, you know, showing the proof of how other construction companies have scaled and and, and what they've done always. That's our biggest seller, if you like, and that's where we get the most work.
1: Is it like showing showing like a case study of how you've taken somebody from this to yeah yeah
0: exactly yeah exactly that and and like I say because we
1: we have grown
0: with people from literally startups to SME to to large corporations as well and we can show that evidence of what we've done over the years and the proof and they have marketing budgets as well but they, you know they'll say they want to go in they want to advertise in the Daily Mail or they want to... And I'm like, why though? Because nobody reading the Daily Mail is going to come and buy this house off you or whatever it is they might be selling. You know, you need to go to the industry. So it's there's a lot of objections and I still feel like it's a difficult industry. However there's not many of me, there isn't many construction marketing agencies specific to this who understand the lingo, who understand the audience. So mm. when we do get people, we keep them and um, we're getting a good name for ourselves now. So more people are coming to us, which is, I love that. It's easy, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and how did you, I know you would have answered this a million times, but interested to know, just get, you know, given what you're saying, how did you get into that industry in the, in, in the first place then? And what, what was their reaction to you?
0: <laughs> their reaction wasn't great, but it's, um, to be honest, I was at university studying religion and special needs for whatever reasons. And then I took a year out when I was 19. and went living with my dad and I'd done about three months of just getting really drunk and spending all my dad's money and he said, you better go and get a job. Don't <laughs> or, tell
1: me that, i got two daughters.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, honestly, I was a reprobate though, so I <laughs> think he said, you go and get a job or I'm going to kick you out and the only two job offers, I applied everywhere and the only two job offers they had was Greg's pastor Shop, I don't know if you know it, but, you to wear Blue Air Nets and it were in Bolton Town Centre I was 19 and like, not a chance or a construction magazine selling advertising and, um, I, I took that job and it turned out that I was I was good at sales and things just progressed from there. Yeah, I went from one business to another and hit the glass ceiling, as I say, and then, um, yeah, made, made the swap. But it was difficult because I was a, a young girl at the time talking to people and networking at 19-year-old, going into a room pretty much full of men trying to sell them advertising into a magazine was um, – was a challenge and the way I was spoken to and the way that people would want to do deals with me was highly inappropriate. I'm glad to say a lot of that um, has started to change now, which is why I try and champion
2: women in construction because it's a bit hellish.
1: And do you see other women coming into the industry? Like, Are there... I don't know, networking groups, focus groups where they can hear your experience and it might be an easier path for them to to move into that industry.
0: So I'll be honest, no, there isn't an awful lot out there and there's not a lot of women coming in. And the reason is because of lack of education, society's perception of the construction industry, um, the opportunities that they're given when they're in construction. There's a a catalogue of issues around women in construction. I do, as you probably know, Alex, I have a a women in construction club ice room every Friday, one until 2.30. We've built up a real nice following in this room. You know, we get people a week Mm -hmm. Uh, women and men men wanting to support women women wanting to network we're sharing the stories women who are started in the industry and have had great experience so that's becoming a really nice room off the back of that, I have um, I've actually produced a roadmap with the National Federation of Builders. I'm an ambassador for women in construction with them. We produced a roadmap. We're taking it to government level to, um, I'm going to say it, people will definitely give me hell on social media, but I'm <laughs> going to say it anyway, to sanction businesses who do not get 25% of women on their workforce by 2026. And, right it's um a big thing to put out there there's currently 13 percent, but there's there's nothing happening nobody is doing anything people are telling me they want women and they can't find women mm-hmm. but they're not looking for women they're doing the same thing what they've done for 300 years
2: yeah. So like
0: this, nobody's going to get creative so i'm working on that we've got a petition i'm trying to um build out a course, which we're rolling out to all colleges and universities throughout the UK. I'm working on accreditation with city and guilds um, to do a, a special course at the colleges for uh, women in construction and introductory so that it can be filtered down to primary school and secondary schools. If you have an accreditation, you can get funding for this uh, of the government. So it's really important we get it and working on an accreditation for um, companies within the construction industry that will weight their tenders uh, for diversity and inclusion. So it'll be like gold, silver, bronze. And if they've got this accreditation, there's more chance of them getting onto public sector um, projects. So there's a lot I'm doing a lot.
1: Wow, I was gonna say, Jesus, <laughs>
0: sorry, yeah. you don't really know what it is as well. I really hope that's not boring. And no,
1: well, it's amazing.
0: So, it's and, um, and what, I really, really want to do something. I really, really want to change, uh, for the positive. It will be for the positive for men and women. You know, we've got the highest suicide rate across all industries, the highest divorce really? rate, the most mental health rate. Yeah, and it's this no way. This banter, it's this panter, it's this site culture, it's the,
2: mm.
0: it's the whole that it's just a lack of education uh, in construction as a whole and, and outside of it and I just feel like if I don't do something then I'm not sure who will.
1: And, and d- does that come when you talk about, you know, going all the way back through to the schools, is that where you, you, you know, you're thinking like if we can go, you know, all that way back and start with a new generation by the time you sell your business, for example, in 5, 10 years' time, those people who are now, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, they could already be having a career in that industry and things have
2: changed.
0: Exactly that. If you go and speak to 7, 8, year olds and you ask them what construction is, they think it's digging and building and, you know, they're going to do because that's what you see on Peppa Pig and Paw Patrol yeah. and these programmes. but. They're probably a bit older, actually, for that. But anyway, that's the perception of the industry, when in reality, if you go in and you teach them about um, civil engineering, infrastructure, quantity space, project managers, architects, and then you tell them about the prospects and opportunities from a young age, they're not going to think, oh, I'm going to be earning, whatever, next pounds a day on a building site. They'll be thinking, I'm going to get £1,000 a day designing Trends or whatever it is that they might want to do, but not enough people understand the opportunities and the money, Alex. Like the money is next level in construction and you can get into construction at the moment with little qualifications and trained in in the company that you're in. They'll put you through all of your training as well. So why are you going to go and get in 50 grand debt at university when there are companies crying out to train you? So you, you've been specifically trained within their culture as well. You know, there's there's great, great opportunities and nobody knows about it. But I think it needs to go back down to primary school children. And then you need to also be trying to educate the parents as well. Because
2: yeah, the, for my
0: true. mum, all she thinks of construction is that it's plumbers and electricians, you know, yeah, and it's, yeah. that's not reality. So there's, there's a big challenge, but there's a lot of people um, on board with the challenge, really backing the idea and really keen to support it, which has been honestly amazing. And somewhat
1: emotional as well, Alex. That has been very emotional. And look, my experience with construct, you know, construction, where I live, again, and they're they're all male, funnily enough. But is that they're all absolutely loaded? You know, where I am is probably you know the the areas where where new buildings, be that you know residential or commercial, are being constructed. They're all multi multi millionaires. You know, but I don't see many females infiltrating that that network. And it's the same old guys who're probably in their fifty 60s, even 70s now still running the shows so
0: of course with all the connections in the little black box, yeah
1: exactly that's why all
0: these new businesses need to come to me and i'll push them out there and get rid of all these old dinosaur men who never give women any jobs and because it's true they don't as much as they say they want to they'll tell you they can't find them but i can give you a list of 300 women who's looking for jobs up and down the country right now today so it's um, it's gonna take a lot of work but you know that's like a passion project there's um I'm earning no money from it and it's taking all of my time
1: I bet it is yeah and and how do you get through to I find this really interesting How, how do you get through to actually having a conversation with say at government level or at educational level with the school boards? Is that an easy thing to do? Or is that, again, like banging your head against a brick wall for a few few, few months, and then you might get a chink of light from a connection in your network?
0: No, do you know what? Um, I've just been so lucky because of The Apprentice. Um, Open doors. and yeah. the exposure, and I just non-stop talk about women in construction. I do a lot on social media about it. So people who becoming familiar with me anyway, but then... As I say, I became the ambassador for women in construction with the NFB. So they're well connected with government ministers. And then I've met friends along the way who are connected with
2: government ministers.
0: So it's come together nicely. City and Guilds asked me to be part of a training course. They did. And so then obviously I upsold. Like, yes, I will do this. But in return, I want this, this, this. I'm just really cheeky. And you know what? If you don't ask, you don't get. And so I just ask everybody all the time. And they've been amazing. The, The CEO of City and Guilds is actually a woman. So she was back uh, okay. in this, and um, yeah, we've got some really exciting things coming up. I mean, if I pull it off, honestly, I best get an MBA. I just, I want something. <laughs> I want
1: something. <laughs> <laughs> well, it it sounds like you certainly will. Um, given how long is how, how long it's taken you, and and is that um, you know the, the network of people that you. You built up during The Apprentice or off the back of being on that show is that more of the, the kind of like wave that you you managed to um, jump on?
0: I had to I did have a strong network before because I've been in, constru- I've been in construction 15 years or whatever it was so mm. I have a strong network but being on The Apprentice just gives you this I don't even know, like, oh, this authority figure. But I think people feel like they trust you because they've seen you on TV. Well, if they like you, anyway. Like, yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> otherwise, you've got no chance. But, the, you know, I think they feel like they trust you, they've seen you on telly and I got quite far and, you know, I don't know, I guess that's what it is. And off the back of that, just a lot of people got in touch with me and I, I knew that I, it was really, really important to me to reply to as many people as possible and do as much at that time as I could do, really put myself out there mm-hmm. to try and get as exposure as I could and so I, I slowly started to form relationships. But you know what's been amazing? Clubhouse. And I know you love it. You, you do really well on it as well. But meeting connections on there is not like meeting a connection no. on Instagram. It's it's next level and it's it's really, really, really enhanced things for me and, and this passion project.
1: Well it's for me and, and again those people who are listening and they'll be sick to death of me are talking about Clubhouse. But honestly it is like you said it's next level for me uh, connections that could have taken like a year before for me to, to get in touch with somebody through all those different you know layers of red tape, all those gatekeepers i 'm literally on a zoom with somebody within an hour of, of talking to them, or at least it 's in the diary and it 's just so open and people genuinely seem to want to open their contacts out and then help help the next person we 're all busy of course but I find it phenomenal. So it's it's interesting that that's that's helped uh, helped you as well, then, and and I, that's great that you've because I, I think one of the keys on that platform, not with anything in life, I suppose, is is being consistent. So the fact that you 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 run that room at the same time on the same day is key. I think and people will notice.
0: And then just we we, bring, we brought more people. It was just me and um, my friend, who was my client, we're friends now, Haley. Um, we just started the room and then the director of Multiplex come in, who is, um, I, I, I was really like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then there is a moderator with us, Ben, and he's really back in the, the Women in Construction Amazing. team, the, the director of Galliford Try, and all these directors of all these big companies who are, you know, want to do something about women in construction, but don't really know where to start or what the issues are on the ground. And it's really connecting directors with. Just normal tradeswomen now. Women who've left the industry and they're getting the opportunity to say to these big decision makers, This is why I left and this wasn't right and that wasn't right. And they're, and you no, know, they're using it for research purposes, for recruitment purposes. Like it, it it seems everybody in that group is getting something from it. So people consistently come back week on week and genuinely seems like they, they want to help each other as well. I know a lot of business has, has gone on in that room as well. So it's um, unfortunately not for me actually. <laughs>
1: say to you, is it actually impacted your business in any in any way? Or no, is it I'm not?
0: Thinking, I've not actually picked up a new line from here. That's
2: shocking.
0: I, you know what? I'm never going to talk about what I do in that room though. I use it as an opportunity for everybody else to, you know, take the limelight and say what, what they want to say.
1: And how do you, you know, we talked about that kind of credibility authority piece of having been on the apprentice and then you've, you've obviously got a following on um, social media. Uh, I don't know how much your LinkedIn is, but you know, like that Instagram, how much do you divide between like a cause that you're super passionate about your championing and how much do you, um, use it to talk about your business and how you can help people through your business? Is that like a bit of a balancing act as well?
0: Yes. Yeah, so I, to be honest, um, my club is not been great for it because I don't mention my business at all. But LinkedIn is ninety percent of my my clients. Obviously, I have staff getting clients as well. Ninety percent of my own clients come from LinkedIn, and on LinkedIn I do talk about um, women in construction a lot. And I think that just opens the doors from you know women in construction to then oh what is it that you do? And then we introduce the business to them. So I don't cram it down people's throats, but a mix up between uh, women in construction and digital marketing.
1: So I hope you enjoyed that chat with Michaela and I connected with Michaela on, funnily enough, Clubhouse and is one of a number of people that I've chatted to who've been on um, that show, BBC TV show, including the likes of Sabrina Stocker, Camilla Ainsworth, Harrison Jones, etc. So super interesting to to chat to her. Clearly, she is super passionate about getting more females into the construction industry. So really interested to to hear her thoughts on how things have been to her over the last 15 months or so. And I 100% agreed when she said that, you know, one of the biggest benefits of the pandemic, and there have been so many negatives, obviously, that it's brought us the time to focus on the things we've always wanted to do but never really had time to do. I mean, how many of us now are going headlong into this year, halfway through, how the hell did that happen? I have no idea and haven't had the time to put the brakes on to really properly review how we've gone about this year already and how we can make changes to what we're doing. I know I haven't to the degree degree that I want to do, and definitely the pandemic enabled us to do that, enabled me to do that. Definitely take a te- step back, and review where I was going and make the changes um, that I wanted to make. You know, what I wasn't happy with, i.e. traveling to London three days a week. You know, the benefits again of being able to to work from home. But now we're coming out of the pandemic, or, you know, fingers crossed are out of it, that we are able to, to socialize again and, you know, leverage those parts of our day-to-day job that we really did enjoy that haven't been there. So I think she's 100% right there. Um, Also what she says, you know, about any form of marketing being word of mouth on how your direct target audience knows about what you want to talk about and subject close to my heart about being how important it is to be authority figure in your field. And she's right, you know, people will trust you. You've got to earn that trust. You've got to earn that respect, but they will listen to what you have to say. And you're not going to get that trust, that respect from day one, but you need to earn it without a shadow of a doubt. So, you know, being a figurehead in her industry is clearly going to help her with that. Hosting regular Events like the room she's hosting on Clubhouse to talk about that, engaging with leading figures within her industry, going on other podcasts such as this. She did have her own podcast as well. All those kinds of things are, you know, going to increase her credibility um, as a leading female in the construction industry and raise her authority by the nature of who she's surrounding herself with and the conversations that she's having as well. So amazing, you know, what she's done. Clearly she doesn't feel she's anywhere near um, the finish line on that, but I wish her nothing but the best with that. And if we can, you know, help anyone just by getting the word out on this podcast uh, to others who want to get into the construction industry and who are female, then it's a job worth done. So thank you, Michaela. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Have an awesome week ahead. If you'd like to learn how to launch and grow your own number one rated podcast like this with zero experience, zero knowledge and zero tech skills, come and join me at ultimatepodcastmastery.com where I've just launched for a limited number of people, brand new podcast podcast membership course. So you'll get access to my Ultimate Podcast Mastery membership course. You'll get my digital workbook, my progress sheet, my launch checklist, and all the nitty-gritty cheat sheets, templates, and scripts the Podpreneur way. You'll also get weekly live Q&A with me, exclusive WhatsApp group chat an entry to my private Facebook group, as well as access to all my past interviews and trainings with special guests as well. This is available for a limited time for a limited number of people. So once it's gone, it's gone. But if you'd like to learn how to do exactly what I'm doing now, then I'll show you how. Head on over to ultimatepodcastmastery.com. Over the last four years of this show, I've detailed the habits, routines and rituals of some of the world's most successful entrepreneurs. Where I found I needed a little help was in my evening routine, especially how I unwind before bed. Do you have a routine or do you leave it to chance? Some of the most talked about things you can do include putting your phone down, switching your screen off an hour or so before bed, stretching, taking a hot shower, and not eating rich food or drinking alcohol too close to bedtime. These are great ideas, but not everybody's lifestyle can accommodate them. Which is why I decided to take a deep sleep nootropic called Boost, brought to you by Pure Sports CBD called Unwind. Unwind. It helps you both get to sleep and helps your sleep quality too. So I've partnered with Pure Sports CBD to provide a premium and trusted natural product to help you as a busy entrepreneur go further. You can get 20% off their entire range by going to puresportcbd.com and entering the code just do it 20. That's just do it 20. If you found value in this free podcast, all I ask is that you tell somebody else about it. You don't have to leave a review or write a post on social tagging me in the screw it, just do it hashtag. But if you do, I promise to give you a shout out on a future episode and you have my eternal thanks. I'm at Alex Chisnell on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook, plus at Alexander Chisnell on Instagram.